Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This week, we're reposting sermons from last week's Bible Conference in Prescott, Arizona. Each day this week, you'll enjoy sermons that were preached in the evening services, plus one morning seminar for our Saturday episode. Even our free subscribers will get a full week of ad-supported episodes. But if you'd like to support world evangelism with early released episodes and an ad-free listening experience, then use the links in the show notes to subscribe today. Thanks for listening, and enjoy today's sermon. Thank you, Pastor Greg, for inviting me. It's a great privilege to be here with you this morning. feels like the student preaching to the teacher, but I believe God's going to help us. I am the fruit uh, of this church, and it's great to be back home in Prescott in my mother church, and I appreciate the opportunity. Let's get our Bibles out. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. There was a young man that entered a cathedral that was beautifully decorated and that the very sight of it could make the heart of sinners cry in repentance. But this man made his way down the aisle of the church and found it surprisingly empty except for a solitary worshiper bowing down before a particular, particular looking altar in prayer. And as the young man approached this finely dressed man in a solemn posture of prayer, he quietly tapped him on the shoulder and asked what this altar configuration meant. This righteous man arose and piously stated, My friend, this is my altar. And the puzzled young man looked closer at the altar, and instead of seeing a cross, the righteous man had been praying before an altar with the letter I upon it, where the cross should have been. I want to preach this morning on repairing your altar. Out of 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Let's pray this morning. God, we're asking right now for your anointing and dominion. I come before you knowing that I can do nothing without you. God, I'm asking that you would help us today that the glory of the Lord would fill this place today, that you would receive all glory, that you would receive all honor. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First of all, I'm going to look at the importance of the altar. And I'm not going to retell the story of our text, but we see what's happening in the events that are surrounding it. We know that Ahab came to power in Israel with his wife Jezebel. Here they are, they lead the nation into idolatry and the worship of false gods. And they have the prophets of God murdered at that time. But the Bible makes it very clear that there was a man, a certain prophet who was a thorn in the side of Ahab. His name was Elijah. We find that he was not like any other man. He was not afraid to confront Ahab and Jezebel. God used Elijah... And no matter how hard Ahab tried, he could not lay a hand on him. He tried to have him killed and quieted, but it didn't work. And we find that our text takes place at a time when these men come together. The conflict between them comes to its peak. And under God's instruction, Elijah comes out of hiding and sends word to Ahab that he's ready for a showdown. Let's meet up. Let's settle the issue. Ahab brings all the priests of Baal, 
And we find the Bible says they meet in a specific location, and that was the Mount Carmel area. It was a supernatural showdown where the God of Elijah faced off with the false gods. So it was in this showdown that the prophets of Baal went first. The Bible tells what happens. They prepared their bull. They placed it on altar. They prayed to Baal. They asked him to send fire down on the altar, and they prayed all morning until noon. Here they are. They begin to cry out to their God to answer their prayer, but nothing happens. Then they got really religious. They start dancing around. They start cutting themselves, but there is no response. And at noon, we find that it is Elijah that begins to mock them. He says, shout louder. I'm sure that Baal is God. Maybe he has too much to think about, or maybe he's busy right now that he cannot answer you. Maybe he's away on a trip, or he's sleeping. They begin to shout louder and louder, and they continue with all their might until evening. But still, there is no reply. When they finally gave up, we find that Elijah gathered the people to himself. He makes the statement, come near to me and help me repair the altar of the Lord that is broken down. So the nation we find was in sin and idolatry. Here they are, they're on the brink of judgment, and Elijah was about to demonstrate to them the power of God. He was calling them back from the brink of destruction. He's calling them to a place of repentance, and the first thing that he does is he points to the fact that the altar of the Lord is broken down and in need of repair. What did they need? They didn't need anything else but this one area. They needed to rebuild their altar. We find there was a link between the condition of the altar and the condition of Israel. And I declare this morning the reason why America is the way that it is is because it is connected to the altars of our churches. There's always a connection. Throughout the Old Testament, the condition of Israel could be judged by the condition of her altars. When Israel would begin to neglect the altar, the nation we find would fall in a spiritual decline. And when they fell into sin and hypocrisy, it led to a, a, apostasy. The nation that was chosen by God would always drift into sin and idolatry whenever they begin to abandon their altar. The reason the altar was the best spiritual condition for Israel, or barometer rather, for Israel's condition, because we know that it was the place that God chose to meet with humanity. We know the altars where God deals with his people. And remember that when this is neglected, sin rises up in the hearts of people, and it begins to reign. Proverbs says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So when you begin to read the New Testament, or Old Testament rather, this bears this truth. You read it on your own time. When there was an active altar in Israel, they were exalted as a nation. But when the altar no longer held prominence, we find that sin would rise up and bring a reproach on all the people. And I can't overemphasize this this morning. How important the condition of the, of the altars are. 
You look at our churches today, the strength of our churches, remember, is the altar. What happens there? How many we contend for conversions? We contend for supernatural deliverance. We contend for the healing of bodies. We contend for gifts of the Holy Ghost in the altar. Everything that happens in a service leads up to the pinnacle of the altar time. See, it's the condition of Israel, whether success or failure, hinged upon the altar. And I believe it's the same for every believer this morning. The altar is a place where heaven meets earth, where man can meet God and God can deal with his heart. What conference is all about is us responding to the altar. That God begins to move upon our heart that we can repent uh, and get our heart right with God. That God can challenge us. uh, That we can do something with our lives as we respond to the challenge that is given. It's never meant to fall into disrepair. It's to be a central part of our lives. It was intended to uh, to be a place of daily sacrifice. It was a place that man was to be reminded daily. That his greatest ambition in life is to be a servant of God. It was here that Israel was reminded they did not become great on their own power. They did not get there by their armies or their wealth or their resources. It reminded them that the thing that made them great was the presence of a holy God. What makes us great this morning is that God is in the house uh, and he's moving among his people through changing their lives and healing their bodies. Uh, How many know this morning our God is a living God? Uh, He's no longer on the cross, uh, but he has risen again. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. It was God and their service to him. That exalted them above all nations. He set them apart and provided for them. He made a way. Their altar was a daily reminder not to rely upon themselves, but to remember that God was their greatest resource. But when they begin to neglect that, they neglected God. And I declare this morning what makes a church a church is the altar. And I don't want want to ever send the message that we as a church don't value our altar. That in some way we've outgrown it. You look at the Pentecostal churches today. They no longer speak or pray in the Holy Ghost or speak in tongues. But the next thing that begins to happen is that they begin to move away from the altar. The altar is a foolish thing. That all of us in some way we have to come down and kneel our knee before God. Or we have to some way humble ourselves and we don't want to do that. You see, it's a God thing this morning to make it a priority to reestablish the altar in our churches. And I believe this morning it's also time to reestablish the priority that we make. That when we make a sermon or declare a message that God gives us, we're looking for a response. We're looking for people to reply or to turn to God and meet with them in the sacred place. We need a place where God can meet man and God can come down. How many of we need the conviction of the Holy Ghost? We need God to come and begin to stir us up. We get too comfortable. We come to church. We do our thing. We go home unchanged. I don't know about you, but I need conviction. The reason why I'm still serving God today is because of the conviction of the Holy Ghost. That he knows where I live. He knows where I stay. He knows what to speak into my life when I need it. Your altar is not only one in this church, 
But I'm going to know it can be an old chair at home. It can be a place by your bedside. It doesn't really matter where it is. The point is, it can be anywhere, but wherever it is, you need to make sure that you don't neglect it. Don't let it fall into disrepair. If it has been neglected and broken down, it's because of a lack of use. Let me tell you something this morning. Altars were supposed to be used every day. This isn't just a quarterly thing or a conference thing or once a month thing, but it is daily. Secondly, uh, secondly, everything happens at an altar. Everything that's important in life happens at an altar. We know that God deals with us at the altar. When we came to Christ, when we responded to God's love and grace, when our sins were forgiven, it was at an altar. Repentance takes place at an altar. Your heart responds to God at an altar. God's blessing and provision are secured at an altar. God's healing touch is found around an altar. If you need an answer from God, it can be found here. We need direction. We need clarity for our life. We need salvation and deliverance. Let me make it personal. You need an altar this morning. You need an altar in your life today. More than we need an altar for the church, you need an altar for you. It comes down to a simple question. How bad do we want a move of God? How bad do we want the anointing of God to be upon our life? How hungry are we for the presence of God? Because the anointing of any church will never be bigger than our altar. The anointing of God upon our life will never be bigger than your personal altar. We pray, God, move, have your way. But how is your altar this morning? If you want to be used by God, you need this place. If we want the power of the Holy Ghost to work in our life, we need this place. The anointing this morning comes from sacrifice. And we know that sacrifice only happens around the altar. And we're going to see it this week. That lives are going to respond. And what are they doing? They're saying, God, here is my life. Use it and do what you want with it. Here is my life. I give it as a living sacrifice. If you don't have a fresh sacrifice, you're operating, operating without the power and the anointing that God desires to give you. We know that sacrifice is costly. It costs us something. This is why altars are so important. It's because sacrifice is so expensive. The altar requires our best. And when you begin to neglect this, you give God less than your best. The altar will challenge you to put him first. It will compel you to put his house, his kingdom, his will above everything else in your life. It challenges us to seek the kingdom of God first. This is where the things that hinder your walk with God, they are removed. That's why we respond that God take these things out of my life. I don't want to struggle in this way anymore. This is where they are consumed in the fires of sacrifice. Our stumbling blocks and vices are destroyed at an altar. This is where we surrender, where we pray, not my will be done, but yours be done. And true submission can only be accomplished right here. It's where we set ourselves apart. I remember responding to God at an altar, telling God, you know, I don't have much to offer you. I know my limitations. I know who I am. But if you'll simply take my life and do what you want with it, you can have it. It's where we deal with our flesh. 
It's where the old man is crucified. It's where we enter into the presence of God and say, search me, O Lord. It's a place of confession where we stand and begin to confess our faults. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. When you meet with God at this divine place, his holiness and righteousness will convict you of the sin in your life. Let me tell you how you deal with sin. You take it to an altar and you confess it before God and you put it under the blood. Many times our greatest problem is that we try to live so holy while we're not in the practice of exposing ourselves in the holiness of God. His holiness deals with our sin. It makes worldliness in our lives uncomfortable. His holiness convicts us and it begins to change our lives. It's where our inadequacies meet a God who's more than adequate. It's where our inabilities meet a God who is more than, than able. It's when, when our weaknesses and our insecurities and our shortcomings are met by the one who makes us more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. This is where he speaks peace to our troubled storm, where he begins to correct and direct our lives. He begins to order our steps. We're reminded of what he has done as we set aside our burdens and laid them down. The struggles that we face, we don't come to church because we have everything together. We come to church because we need God. We come to church because we need the word. We need God to begin to correct us and help us and convict us in our life. Many times we're depleted and empty. It's simply because we have not taken the time to go to the altar and lay our burdens at the feet of Jesus. That means it's our choice this morning. It's our choice to hear and see what's going on, either to respond or to leave the same way that we've come. So I want to look at rebuilding your altar. And I want to make a statement that our families need an altar. In our church in Guam, I've made a declaration. I'm tired of church kids leaving the church and going into sin. I know we can't see all of them saved, but I'm trying my best. And the reason why I have hope for them is because of me. I was one of the worst church kids you can find. But I believe that God needs to move among our church kids. Our church kids need an altar. We know that hell is waging war against our families. Your enemy wants to destroy your marriage, your children, and your home. How do we safeguard against this? Our family needs an altar. We need a place of prayer and conviction and communion with God. Parents need to teach your children not just by the words, but by deeds, that the church is a priority in our life, that serving God matters more than anything else, that what we need is to go to the house of God because it's in that place is where there are answers that we need. We need to bring our children and family to the altar. This is where you have revival. The answer for the youth of our churches is still here. I believe in revivals. I believe that God can come down in these services and begin to manifest his power to young people that can sense and experience the power of a holy God. We need to teach them that everything good in life comes from God. We need to teach them the importance that, yeah, mom and dad, we can respond and come to an altar. We can bend our knee and humble ourselves before God. So how does an altar fall into disrepair? How does it get to a place where it needs to be rebuilt, very simply because of neglect. 
The only one that can damage your altar is you this morning. And the only way that you can damage it is by neglecting it. The devil cannot destroy it. He doesn't have that authority this morning. You're the only one that can determine its condition in your life. That which is neglected, remember, never gets better on its own. that it becomes nothing will change until you make up your mind that you're going to rebuild the first step to rebuilding your altar is to recognize that it's broke when you start saying things like you know I used to do that it's broke when you start making statements you know back in the old days I used to it's broken when you start making excuses why you no longer need to respond to God, remember it's with those words we identify that something is not right in our life. This is where it gets difficult because we're experts at deceiving ourselves. Solomon said the way of a man seems right to that man. And if you're not careful, you'll convince yourself that nothing's wrong. I go to church, I'm faithful, right? At least I'm here. I give my money. I'm a part of what's happening. Come on, I pray when it really matters. I pray every now and then. I pray when something important is going on. God and I have an understanding. He knows that I care about him. He knows I, he cares for my life as well. But I'm going to say don't fool yourself. When you neglect your altar, you drift further and further from God. Sin begins to gain a foothold. His righteousness gives way to self-righteousness. We come to church on Sunday morning. How many of we come sometimes in self-righteousness? I've been good. I've been faithful. And because of those things, I'm okay. I pray, don't let us be satisfied with altars that have fallen into disrepair. Convict us, God. Call us back to the altar. The altars were broken down in Israel. And the sad thing about it is that no one seemed to care. So Elijah begins to gather the people to himself. He begins to rebuild the altar that had been destroyed. He built it with 12 stones like it was supposed to be done. He placed a firewood on top of the stones. The Bible says he dug a ditch around the altar. He prepared the bull, placed it on top of the wood on the altar. Then he did something very amazing. He told the people, fill four barrels with water. And I want you to begin to pour that water on the altar. He tells them to do it three times. They soak the sacrifice, the wood. And the Bible says they fill the trenches with water. You see, the challenge was for God to answer by fire. Elijah made sure that when the fire did fall, everyone would know that only God could have done this. Finally, it was time to offer the evening sacrifice. Elijah prays. And when he did, the fire fell. Let me tell you what happens when you rebuild your altar. You create a platform in your life for God to prove himself. When Elijah rebuilt the altar, we find that he set the stage for the mighty demonstration of God's power. What we need today in the house of God again is the power of God. It's not simply word or what we can say or what we can only proclaim. But what we need today is for God to fall afresh, to show himself mighty in the house of God once again. Do you need a miracle? Do you need provision from heaven? Do you want to see God change things? Rebuild your altar. Do you want revival? 
rebuild your altar. When you rebuild, God will demonstrate himself in your life. Notice that the fire could not fall from heaven until the altar was repaired. Revival couldn't come to a nation until the altar was repaired. The situation in your home is not going to change until you rebuild your altar. Deliverance and healing, purpose for your life, a change of direction is coming. But that can only come when you rebuild your altar. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I read about a bride who sought advice on how to deal with her nerves as she began to walk to the altar at the start of her wedding. So here's the pastor. He's trying to suggest to her to always remember to keep her eye first on the aisle. Then upon turning the corner to focus on the altar, and finally as she drew near the altar to focus on the groom, she did exactly that on her wedding day. And as she did so, she was heard saying to herself very loudly, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I think about church. That's what we need. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I've come to church because I've identified in my life, I need God. I need to meet with him. I need him to move in my life. And I need him to direct me in the path that I'm going. And we're going to pray in just a moment. But I want to make a challenge for those here today. If you have neglected the altar in your life, this is a time to repair it. This is a time to declare that, God, I'm going to respond. I'm going to allow you to move in my life, and I'm going to repair that which was broken down. And we're going to pray for different things in just a moment as we bow our head and close our eyes in reverence to God. We need God's Holy Spirit in this place this morning. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks.